the world around us has changed dramatically. But God's normal hasn't. The new normal is when God's standard becomes my own standard. new dawn has arisen. You can talk to God in the morning when it's quiet or any time of day. He wants to hear from you and loves to talk to you. So remain steadfast in His love and not distant from Him. Live by faith, not fear. Live by His standard, not the world's. God bless everybody. Good to see you. Happy Sunday. Welcome to the Rock Church. My name is Travis Gibson. I'm one of the pastors here. And every time I get a chance to share, I'm excited. Today, we are continuing in our series entitled The New Normal. Everybody right there, wherever you're joining us, put that in the chat, The New Normal. And if you look back to the, the past two years of our life, it really doesn't actually feel normal at all. Uh, we've learned new words like masking. And, and, and vaccines, vaccinations, uh, social distancing, vaccination passports, uh, words like, uh, or acronyms like CDC and deconstruction. And while some of those words aren't brand new, they may be new to you. And language tends to shape how we live our lives. And, and, and these words and acronyms have certainly helped shape our lives in the way that we have been living. Uh, they've, been, they've been giving us what feels like a new normal. But it certainly hasn't been normal. In fact, it's actually felt more, more strange than anything. Uh, we've been saying things we've never said before. People are afraid of things they've never been afraid of before. We're living in ways that most of us have never had to live before. I'll put it this way. The old ways seem to be gone and the new ways seem to be here. Maybe that sounds familiar because if, if you know anything about church or you know anything about uh, Christianity or the Bible or who Jesus is, you already know that the great plan of God was always to establish a new normal, but not the world's normal, uh, not, not, the, not the last two years normal. Jesus came to establish his new normal. That's called the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is where Jesus rules and reigns. Jesus has authority. The kingdom of God is where the king is over all things. Uh, in Mark chapter 1, verse 15, it says, The time has come, Jesus said, the kingdom of God is near. The kingdom of God has come. Repent and believe the good news. He's saying the kingdom's here, everybody. The kingdom is coming. So leave your old ways. Come follow me. That's the invitation. Here's the outcome of that invitation in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. The apostle Paul says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, if you decide that you want to be with the king, you want to be in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, all things have become new. If you leave behind your old ways and get into a relationship with Jesus, your king, you will be made into a new creation and have access to a brand new way of living. In fact, that's what Jesus came to do. Jesus left heaven 
to come to earth, to live the perfect life, to die the death that you and I deserve, conquered sin and death, to establish his kingdom as your new normal. And so week one, uh, Pastor Miles told us what the kingdom was. What, what's, the, what's the kingdom? It, as I said earlier, it's where the king rules and reigns. It's, it's any place within any one where Jesus has complete authority, where he rules and reigns. Last week, uh, Pastor Miles talked about kingdom identity. Your kingdom identity is what God invites us to be, who he's called us to be and how he's called us to live as people of faith, not fear, as people of love and not hate. Well, today, week three, I wanna talk to you about living out kingdom relationships. Uh, kingdom relationships are not worldly relationships. Kingdom relationships are not toxic relationships. Kingdom relationships aren't manipulative, bait and switch, selfish relationships. Kingdom relationships don't look like anything the world wants to give you. Not abusive relationships, not, not lording over people relationships, not belittling people type of relationships. Kingdom relationships change everything. I want to tell you more about that, but first I want to pray for you. I want you, wherever you are, wherever you're joining us from, would you bow your heads and let's just seek the Lord as he opens up the scriptures for us. Jesus, thank you that we can be in your word. You are the word. And Holy Spirit, uh, would you draw everyone near to you today? I pray that you would fill us up with wisdom, that we would leave today, wherever we've gathered, changed. We don't want to be the same. We want to be more like you. So, Father, have your way now. Speak through me. In Jesus' name we pray. Everyone joining said amen, amen, and amen. Uh, I, I remember over this past year and a half, two years, you know, it's hard to keep saying the word pandemic, but whatever you want to call it, we've been through. It's been devastating. But I remember early on that no one could leave the house. Do you remember that? I remember that. And my wife and my kids were just itching to get out of the house, do something. We started having the garage door open for no reason, and the front door, just wondering if anybody was going to come by, or, hey, there's a dog, there's another dog. Just wanting to see people, and we started taking walks. Anybody with me? Taking walks, and we, we started taking walks around the cul-de-sac, and then we got a little bit more brave and took walks around the corner, and my kids wanted to see people so bad, they started leaving notes in the neighbor's mailboxes. And we would stick them to the mailboxes and then we would come back and there would be a different note and it became this game that we played and we would walk by people's homes and I have to admit myself included, wanting to be with people so bad but knowing I should be distanced, we would slowly, casually walk by houses and almost make ourselves believe someone said, said something. Like the neighbor, hey, did you, you need something? Did you need, how, how's the air in your tires? Did you need anything? Did you, I've never wanted to give someone sugar so bad in my life. Never had to do it, but I, I never wanted to do it so bad in my life. What do you need so I can go give it to you so I can talk to you? And what were we, what were we doing? We were trying to stay distant while at the same time craving to be close. This is what God has, has done. He, he's designed us to be in kingdom relationships. In fact, maybe you write that down. You and I were made, created, designed for kingdom relationships, to go after them, to pursue them, to create them. And, and kingdom relationships are the type of relationships that help us draw near to one another and to draw near to God. They're the type of relationships that help us come together as a church family, as a, as a community. They're the type of relationships that let people know everything is going to be okay. There's a story in uh, Mark's gospel, Mark chapter 2. I'm going to read it to you, verses 1 through 12 that really does a great job 
painting and illustrating this picture of what I would call kingdom relationships. But just before this story, Jesus is healing a, a leper. And lepers were a part of a group that would have been um, ostracized and outcast from society. In fact, lepers had scales and, and uh, they thought were disease on their skin and maybe they had sinned and that's why they looked like that. And they were, uh, they were, they were put on the outside of the, of the city walls. And Jesus goes and heals this leper. Well, there were other people a part of that ostracized group, that outcast from society group. A paralytic would be a part of that group. And so right after, wouldn't you believe, this is what Jesus does. He heals the leper. He goes into town. And Jesus is famous at this point because people know he's healing people. And he goes into town and he finds a man and his friends bring a paralytic. They bring him to Jesus. And what's significant about this story, even though this man should have been put on the outside of the streets, seen as no good to society because he was a paralytic. He couldn't move. This man had friends, and this man's friends bring him to Jesus. This is what it says in Mark chapter 2, verse 1. I'll read through verse 12. It says, a few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. What are they doing? They're having church. They're having church at someone's house, and the room is full, so full there's no room outside the door. In verse three, some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. So these friends are some kind of friends. Everybody needs friends like this guy had. They can't get in and so they go on the roof and they just said, you know what, we're just gonna go for it. They start digging a hole and they begin to lower the man down on the mat that he was lying In verse five, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Now I want you to pay attention because whenever there's healing, there's gonna be haters. Anytime there's something done in the miraculous, there's gonna be some mad people angry that in their ordinary lives, there isn't any supernatural. And that's what you have here is some high priests, some Pharisees looking on. And so Jesus says in verse eight, immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven or to say, get up, take your mat and walk. That's a drop the mic moment right there. In verse 10, but I want you to know that the son of man, and that's what Jesus tended to call himself, the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. He got up, took his mat and walked out in full view of them all. I feel like this is three snaps in a Z formation moment. He gets up, grabs the mat, walks out, parts the room and leaves. This amazed everyone and they praised God saying, we have never, ever seen anything like this. I love the story. There's so many characters in the story. You have some person's house in Capernaum and Jesus is there. The room is full. They're outside the doors. They're spilling out. You got these four friends and they're trying to get their buddy who's the paralytic 
into the room, they climb on top, they break open the roof, they drop him down, and there's Jesus. There's so many people. The Pharisees are angry. So many characters. In fact, this story basically preaches itself. There's a lot of stuff in this. But one of the things I want to pull out are the relationships that we see here take place. The kingdom relationships. The ones that are different than the rest of the world. The one that I believe is the new normal that God is inviting us to. So here's the first thing I wrote down. Number one, kingdom relationships bring people close. Kingdom relationships bring people close, not distant. In the third verse, Mark chapter 2, it says, Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man, highlight this in your Bible, carried by four of them. It doesn't say they drugged the man. It doesn't say they went pushing the paralyzed man or or on a rope so he was distant from them so they wouldn't get the disease. Because that's what they thought. They thought if you had something wrong with you, you or your family or your mama, your dad or somebody in your family must have done something. You must have done something terrible to make you like this. And so they didn't want to be close to him. They wanted to associate with these individuals. But these men, his friends, they carried him. How do you carry something? You, you, You pick it up. That was lighter than I thought it was going to be. I'm not going to lie. They picked him up. They were close to him. In Proverbs 18, verse 24, it says, One who has an unreliable friend, her friend, soon comes to ruin. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Sticks closer than a brother. Uh, When my wife and I, Vanessa, and I have constructive conversations. (laughs) You've had constructive conversations. Sometimes there's tension and we keep it civil and we love each other. Oh my goodness, I love my wife so much. But we're two different people with two different ways of thinking, two different styles of stuff. And, 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 and our, our kids are a little bit like me, a little bit like her. And so in our times of, of constructive conversation, there's tension. And, and, and oftentimes when we're in those constructive conversations, we're having a disagreement, I feel like, man, I, I'm just gonna give you some room. I'm going to give you some space. And in and, and the early part of our marriage, that's what I would do. But my wife told me, what I really want you to do in those moments where there's tension is don't leave me. I want you to come close to me. In fact, why don't you just come and wrap your arms around me and give me a hug? And I thought to myself, wait a minute. I wasn't getting any of that by the energy in the room. I wasn't getting any of the let's, let's hug it out based on the facial gymnastics that were happening in my face and your face, I wasn't getting that. I was getting more like I should probably go social distance in the living room. That's the, that's the vibe I was getting. But in fact, in the midst of that tension, my wife said, no, just come grab me. Just come hold me, come hug me. So that's what we do now. We hold each other. We, 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 we come together in those tense moments and we hold each other for 10 seconds. And I learned this. I, don't even, I may even learn it from Pastor Miles or somebody else, but we just hold each other for 10 seconds. We just kind of sway back and forth. What's up? How you doing? I'm not mad no more. I love you. We're on the same team. We hold each other close. The past year and a half, two years, we've been living in a world that promotes staying away from people. Why? It's so confusing. It's so hard. It, it, it's, and I understand the tension that's there. And we do it, why? Because we, we, don't, we don't trust them. I don't even know what they're going to believe. I don't know if they'd agree with me. That's why. I'm not close. Or I, I, don't, I don't share my burdens with people. They probably don't care anyways. They never have before. Why would they care now? Why would I be close? Now, some people have been c- kind of believing that this, 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 
this thought that I'd rather be alone than, than risk being in a group of people where I don't even know where they've been before. Where, where have they been? Who knows who they've touched or been around? Sounds familiar. We're living in strange times, but you know and I know that we were not created to be alone. We weren't, we weren't created to be isolated. We're created to be together. And, and please, I, I want to make this clear because I know uh, people are still sick. And so if you're sick, you're physically sick, please stay home, get better. Get better, but, but there are some people that, that, far too many people that quarantine for five days, for 10 days, for 15 days, for 20 days, 30 days, 45 days, 60 days, and you never came back to the group. You never came back. Where'd you go? You, you never called them back. You, you, never, you, you never responded to the invitation. You, you never sent the message back in return. You never came back to church. Maybe you just came today. You're physically healthy, but because you've been alone and distant and isolated, you're spiritually sick. You're physically healthy, but you're mentally suffering. You're physically healthy, but you're emotionally, spiritually sick. Why? Because you've been isolated. I want you to know, church, that the medicine for that illness is kingdom relationships. Because kingdom relationships bring people close. When you bring people close, you encourage them, they encourage you. You strengthen them, they strengthen you. As iron sharpens iron, so does one man and woman sharpen another. As their anger goes down, your anxiety goes down because now you're close. Their fear about you and them goes down and now you begin to be excited about the future and your language starts to change. Why? Because we're close. And I'm encouraging you and I'm receiving it from you as well and you're getting it and we're, we're going back and forth. Now I'm starting to say things differently like I think I'm gonna make it. I think I can do this. I think I'm made for this. I think the days ahead are better than the days behind. My language, my life, my mind, everything's changing because of the kingdom relationships that God has called me to. That's the new normal. The past year and a half has been strange but God is calling us to a new normal called kingdom relationships. And kingdom relationships bring people close. Here's the second thing I got from the story that just blessed me. Number two, kingdom relationships bring people together. Kingdom relationships bring people together. That's different because I wanna show it to you in Mark 2, verse four. Since they could not, these are the friends, could not get him, the paralytic, to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then pay attention. Then they lowered the man, or they lowered the mat the man was lying on. Here's a question that just really sticks out to me. If the four friends lowered the man, who caught him? Ever think about that before? If the four guys who brought him took him on the roof, and the four guys that are on the roof dug the hole, and the four guys on the roof that brought him that dug the hole lowered him down, who caught him? Did they just drop him? I mean, I hope not. You know, I, I could almost see him doing that too. Like, hey, listen, man, like, he gets a concussion, he's gonna get healed anyway, so that's why we came, you know what I'm saying? Right? Well, what happened? Here's what I think, and the scriptures don't tell us, but here's what I think happened. I think there were other people in the room that saw what was taking place and said, hey, let's come together. I think there were other people in the room that got recruited to be a part of the group, to be a part of what was happening, to be a part of the miracle that was about to take place. And they came together and said, hey, we're gonna lower them down. We'll catch them. We'll receive them. We'll bring them down. Let us help one another. Here's what Ecclesiastes chapter four, verses nine through 12 says. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. 
But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Again, if two lie together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him. And watch this. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. In, in, on September 11th, 2001, I was a senior in high school, and I'll never forget the day that uh, the Twin Towers and the World Trade Center was attacked in New York. I remember seeing it in the news early that morning, going to school, and, and nobody doing anything except turning the TV on, and I was sitting in my first period economics class knowing that the world had changed. It impacted me, and it changed the world forever. The whole world was flipped upside down. It was devastating, devastating. What was interesting is years later, there was a, a survey taken by the New England Journal of Medicine, and they went back and talked to all the individuals that were survivors of the attack and all those families that were impacted. And they, they asked them, how have you been coping? How have you been getting through this? And do you know that 98% of all the people that, survived and were impacted, said the way that we've been coping is by coming together and sharing our stories, sharing our testimonies. We come together, we talk, we share our stories. For many of you, these past two years, this last year, have felt like an unbearable crisis and like you've been attacked. You lost your job, you can't provide for your family. Some of you got sick yourselves and it derailed your whole situation, your, your kids feel distant. There's tension in the house because everyone had to stay, to get, stay isolated as a family and you couldn't talk to other people and they couldn't go to school or impacted the marriage and that became a crisis. And unfortunately, some of you are now divorced because of what happened this past year and a half. Felt like you've been attacked. Some of you lost loved ones and, and our heart goes out to you and we pray that you would find strength in your family. But that is the power of coming together because in the midst of the attack of this past year and a half or whatever it's felt like to you, one of the main things that God has given you to help get your life back on track, to help get you towards the new normal of kingdom relationships where your heart can be healed, where your mind can finally have clarity, where your physical body feels like it can rest, he's given you kingdom relationships. You and I were made for them. They Bring people together so you can experience the power of the community of God where you can look across from someone and they can tell you, me too. What you went through, I went through. In fact, you're not the only one. In fact, there's so much power in just that statement. You're not the only one. And the enemy would love for you to be all by yourself and to be divided so he can just make you and your people and your group feel like you're the losers. They're the losers isolation and, and what you're going through. It's just about you. No one else can possibly understand what you're going through. But the power of coming together is that you and I can go, man, what I've been through, I can help you through. And what you've been through can help me get through my life. Let's come together and help one another. Let me write that in the chat. Let's get together. Write that in the chat. Let's get together. You and I were made for kingdom relationships because they bring people together. Here's the third thing. My last Big thought that I see from the story that I love so much. Number three, kingdom relationships bring people healing. Kingdom relationships bring people healing. In Mark 2, verse 5, when Jesus saw their faith, that's the friends, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. 
I want you to lean in for this, okay? Because this is important. Jesus first heals the paralytic from sin. He deals with his sin first. But Jesus is blessed and encouraged by the faith of the kingdom-minded friends. And because of their relationship with the paralytic, he forgives the man's sins. I want you to know that your relationship with other people has power. Your relationship with other people has the ability to bring healing when you help them get to Jesus. This, this week, as I'm speaking today, my uh, kids, Gigi Pa, their great-grandfather, my wife's grandpa, is going through his last days. He's going to pass in a few days, in, in any moment. And we've been with them and visiting the home and praying with them. And he's been a little bit restless, but he loves the Lord and the whole family does. And this past week, a week ago, Sunday, uh, the family wanted to go to church. And he goes to this church. He's been to multiple locations. He watches online often, goes to some of our Spanish services. But because of where he was in his body and in the current state of his life, we realized he's not going to be able to go to church anymore. So one of the most beautiful things took place last Sunday. The church came to Grandpa Pete. And one of the friends who could play the guitar came and they sang songs at, at the house with, with Gigi Pa and they were singing praise and worship in Spanish and they were laying hands on Grandpa Pete knowing that he's going to be healed in the next life. But for now, he could experience the healing power of peace in his body and not be worried, not be stressed about how the family was going to be. Grandpa Pete received healing and peace, but the people in the room also got healing knowing that everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to be okay. That's how kingdom relationships work. They bring people healing because the goal of the kingdom is to be with the king, the one who heals. That's what the paralytic, his friends did for him. They brought him to the king. So here's how the story ends in Mark chapter 2, just two verses 11 and 12. Jesus says, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. So he got up, he took his mat, and he walked out in full view of all of them. So here's my last question for you before we pray. What's your mat? What's your mat? What's, what's the one thing that you've been living with that you think is normal, but it's not? What's, the, what's, what's your mat? What's the one thing that you've been living with that keeps you distant from other people? What's your mat? What's the, what's the one thing that you have been living with that keeps you distant from Jesus? I bet you did the same things. Is it fear? And this is the mat that you've been living with for the last year and a half or two years. And, and, and you just walk around wherever you go. That's what the paralytic did. This is all he had. He lived on this thing. They brought him to the home on the mat. It was a symbol of, of who he was. It became his identity. He was lowered to Jesus on the mat. It wasn't until he received healing, Jesus said, get up off the mat. So the invitation today is to get up off of your mat. Whatever that one thing is that is preventing you from drawing near to people, get off it. Get up off the mat. Is it, is it, 
Is it brokenness? Is, maybe that's what it, maybe it's not physical, but maybe, maybe there's a broken spot in your heart because you have this unforgiveness because of what someone did to you. And now you walk around with the mat of brokenness, of unforgiveness. You, you can't worship because there's bitterness there. I can't engage with my family because I just got this hatred inside of me. Can I encourage you, church, get off the mat. Be healed today in Jesus' name. That's the power of kingdom relationships is getting off the mat and drawing near to the king, the king of the kingdom. Because before you and I can bring people close and before you and I can bring people together and before you and I can bring people healing, the king of the kingdom came from heaven, lived this incredible life for 33 years and died the death that you and I should have died. But he conquered sin and death so that we can know him so he could bring us close, so he could bring you and I together, and so he could bring you and I healing. Do you know the king? In a moment, I'm gonna pray with you because um, as we lay down this mat today so you can be a part of the kingdom relationships that God has in store for you, everything begins and ends with knowing the king. That's Jesus, he's the healer. He, he's the author and perfecter of our faith. And he wants you to know that he loves you so much. And he has great plans for your life. And what you've been through does not define what your future looks like. Your days ahead are better than what's behind. But the days ahead, the new normal of kingdom relationships begins with the best relationship. That's Jesus. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. I want you to pray this in the quiet of your heart today. If you need to begin a relationship with Jesus or you need to lay down that mat because it's preventing you from drawing near to others and God. I want you to pray this quietly in the spirit of your heart. Maybe it's out loud wherever you are. Just say, dear God, I admit that I've sinned. I admit that I've been lying on this mat of and fill in the blank, whatever it is for you, fear. I've been lying on this mat of anger. I've been lying on this mat of isolation. I've been lying on this mat of pride. I lay it down at your feet. Today I get up. I believe that you died for me. I believe that you love me and you paid for my sins. And I confess you now as Lord over my life. And I confess that I'm a new creation and my life belongs to you. Lord, I thank you for every single person that prayed that prayer. Wherever they're joining us from, wherever they're watching from, maybe Today on Sunday, maybe they're going to watch this at a different date. I pray that they would be encouraged that you have something great in store. And as hard and difficult as the past year or two years or three years have been, that wasn't normal. The new normal is in the kingdom with the king. I pray they would live out kingdom relationships today, drawing close to people in you, coming together with people in you, receiving healing through people and through you. I bless them now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you, Rock Church. We'll see you next time.